scripture, which today comes from Isaiah chapter 57, beginning with verse 14 and continuing through the end of the chapter, verse 21. And it begins on page 1151 in your pew Bibles. Hear the word of God. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will not accuse forever, nor will I always be angry, for then the spirit of man would grow faint before me, the breath of man that I have created. I was enraged by his sinful greed. I punished him and hid my face in anger, yet he kept on his willful ways. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will guide him and restore comfort to him creating praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So we've been talking for the last several weeks, we started in September, about how we can get closer to God. How do we build up a relationship with God? How do we make it stronger? And we've talked about various different things. But today I want to talk about the essence of who God is. He is holy. So first, let's define what holy is. To be set apart to be different in many ways, he is righteous. He is different than us. He is not like us. Though we are created in his image, he is not like us because in our essence of our being, we have a sinful nature. And that's not the only thing that really sets us apart, but that is the main thing that sets us apart from God, our sinful nature. But God is holy. Now, when I say God is holy, I'm not using it as an adjective to describe God. I'm saying who God is. He is holiness. That is who he is. There is, you cannot separate God from holiness. Just as I can't separate any of us from being human, we are human. And there are many attributes to go with that that we breathe oxygen, that we have blood flowing through our veins, that we eat food to, to gain energy. Those are all things that, because we are human. So when we say God is holy, there are attributes that go with that. He is the creator. He's the savior. He's the redeemer. There's many things about him. But the fact is that he is holiness. Now, I know that concept's kind of hard to understand, but just try to think of who you are, and what makes you who you are, and then just apply that to God, he's holy. Now, we can say the holy God, and that's an adjective describing God, but we must re remember that he is different. And the essence of who he is is not who we are. So what can a holy God do? Whatever he wants. Whatever 
he wants. And that's important for us to know. So I was asked a question last week. And I'm not going to call you out by name, but it was a great question. And we were reading in Leviticus back in October, and there's this one part that says, no, tell, tell Moses is being told by God, tell Aaron and his sons and all that come after him that no one can come before me who is lame, who is blind, who has any deformity at all. And the question was, doesn't that seem harsh? Yeah, but you know what? He can do whatever he wants. But really, let's look at what God was really saying there. God wasn't being mean. He's holy. He's unique. He is perfect in every way. And for anything to come before him that is not perfect kind of goes against who he is. Now, I did not answer the question this way, but specifically, more specifically, this was for the sons of Aaron, not for all people. This is for the priest. The priest had to be as perfect as they could be. They couldn't have any, they couldn't be blind, they couldn't be mute, they couldn't have any uh, limpness in them at all. They had to be as perfect as they could be, though they would never be fully perfect. Because they represented Jesus. In the end, when the, when the priesthood was, there's no longer priests that, that go before God in the Holy of Holies, but that final one was Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. Jesus is holy. Jesus is God. So to represent what God was bringing, he had to say, look, you have to be perfect. I'm not being mean. You have to be perfect before me because I am perfect. And I'm not just giving him a, a way out by saying he can do whatever he wants. He really can. That's part of who he is. And part of what we need to understand as who we are is that he makes the rules. In a world in society today where everybody wants their own truth, well, I'm sorry for all of those people who want their own truth. There's only one truth. By the very definition of the word truth, there can only be one, and that is God. God is truth. So if it's good for me and not good for you, then it's okay, and you can be, you have your truth, I have mine. That doesn't work in the presence of a holy God. He told us the way to heaven. Jesus was confronted by a man who says, how do I get to heaven? And how did Jesus reply? Very interesting. He says, you know the commandments. And he says, yes, I do know the commandments. To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, then go and do these things. But is that the way to heaven? No, we know that it's the way to heaven is by belief in Jesus Christ. But what Jesus was saying was, these commandments are part of my holiness, it's part of the essence of who I am. This you do, but not on your own, as a result of believing in the one who is holy. And that holiness spills out into us. And next thing you know, we are loving God. We are loving our neighbor as ourself. So, when we get close to the presence of God, his holiness comes into us. Just as 
If you get close to a friend who is doing some very nefarious things, it could lead in, it could spill off into you. I was in fifth grade and my dad said, you can't hang around this kid anymore. And I was angry because he was a good friend. Like, dad, I don't understand. He says, I got some information about him and it was accurate. My dad used to be on the sheriff's department when I was younger. He wasn't at the time he was telling me this, but he was still very close friends with some sheriff's deputies and the sheriff of the county. And he had information on this kid that this kid was getting involved in drugs and was actually being investigated for selling drugs. And he told me, he says, I don't want you to be around him. I know it sounds mean, but he will, whatever he's doing could affect you in your life. I wasn't near the kid when he got arrested, or I might have been arrested too, even though I had nothing to do with any of that, but guilt by association. So when you get close to someone, you start to take on attributes of that person. And when you get close to God, you take on his holiness. It spills out. It can't be contained. And it becomes part of you. And that we enter into this through belief, and we draw closer to him through our actions, through our prayer, through worship, through fellowship, through reading the Bible. And as we get closer to God, our holiness starts, his holiness starts to come into our lives. So let's look at what this passage says in Isaiah 57. I think it's really important. He dwells on high, but also with the contrite. So he is so far separated from us, and the imagery that he gives is that he's on high. We, we think of God being up in heaven somewhere, right? The fact is that he's right here. He's in our presence right now. He's everywhere. He's on high. He's down low. He's right here. He's everywhere. But we give the image of him being set apart and on high. But he's also in the hearts of the people who realize that they've done wrong. That's what contrite means, by the way. Someone who realizes that they've done wrong. They're repentant. They're, they're penitent. They're contrite. So he's very near the people that he loves because he wants, he doesn't want to just cast us all away. He wants to fill us with his holiness. He also said in this passage that he won't be angry forever. Boy, leading up to Isaiah 57, there was some pretty harsh words in there. And it was the, the fault of the people. He told them, when he first called them out of Egypt, and he brought them into the Holy Land, he says, here's the things that I want you to do. Now when you don't do this, here's what I'm going to do. And by golly, they didn't do what he told them to do, and he did do what he said he was going to do by casting them out. And he's reiterating it in Isaiah, leading up to Isaiah 57. He says, look, I'm not going to be angry at you forever. But I have to be angry because he's holy. It's part of who he is. He cannot have sinfulness in his presence. But he had a plan. So peace to him who is far off, the Gentiles, and to him who is near, the Jews. This is very important. Because at this time, if you're a Jewish person reading Isaiah 57 in the time of the, just before the Messiah coming or even, you know, a few years after Isaiah wrote this or whatever, you're thinking in your mind, what does he mean? Like the, the, the Jews that were, or the Hebrews that were scattered throughout the world, is he close to them? Is he, you know, we know that we're the ones that are near, but who are these people that are far off? They didn't quite understand. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, look, I have sheep from another fold as well. And they, I have to come for them as well. Meaning all of us, 
He came for all of us. So he's near to every single one and brings peace to every single one of us. But then he says there is no peace for the wicked. At the very last verse of what we read this morning, the wicked shall have no rest. There's no peace for them. You know why? This is why. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Have you ever talked to someone who's not a believer? Oh, you're one of those Christians. Oh, I don't believe all that sky daddy magic stuff. These are some things I've heard. Very irritating. gets under my skin. And praise God for the the self-control, the gift of the Spirit. Otherwise, I would pommel these guys for saying this stuff about my God. But no, what I'm saying is they don't understand because we wouldn't understand. We are sitting here today because of what God has done in our lives through his holiness, which has come into our lives. And if you don't understand that, keep coming and keep getting closer to him and keep seeking him, and you will understand. Because in our sinful nature, we are enemies of God. We don't know God. It's foolishness to us. I just I, I told the kids up here this morning, we don't see him. It's like we're all from Missouri. Show me. The show me state. Show me and I'll believe. I had a guy tell me one time, if, why doesn't God just open up the sky and stick his head out and tell me that he's real? Then I'll believe him. I said, sure you would, as long as you saw him. But as soon as you walk away, what's going to happen? You're going to still believe? And eventually that memory is going to go away and you're going to stop believing. I said, that's not what God wants. He wants you to believe in what you can't see so that it is real to you, and so that you can get close to him and his holiness seeps into you. That's what changes you. Not what you think in your mind, not whatever your truth is. What changes us is the holiness of God, and it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Now, this can lead to a great fear of God, and that can be a good thing, or a bad thing. The Bible tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But what's it mean to fear God? Does it mean I want to go hide in the corner? Does that mean I want to cover myself and say, I'm sorry, I I heard you coming and I, I knew I was naked, so I ran away, like Adam said to him? Is that the fear we're talking about? Well, yeah, in a way. Knowing what God can do to you, knowing that he's holy, that's what the fear of God is. But The fear of God is not making us afraid. The fear of God is us giving reverence to him, knowing that he is holy, knowing what he could do to us if he wanted to. I can go back to the slide. It says he can do whatever he wants. (laughs) Knowing that is what the fear of God is. Because when we know that, it gives us the wisdom of God to act accordingly. When we know the fear of God, we will seek him out. We will want to know him. We will get closer to him. And it doesn't chase us away and hide and say, I've sinned, so I can't talk to you. That's unhealthy fear. But a healthy fear of God says, God, you already know what I did wrong. Here's what it is. I'm confessing to you. And if you've ever done that, how do you feel? Afterwards, pretty good, huh? It's almost like it 
you get cleansed. It's almost like your the all the bad just kind of gets taken out of you. Well, guess what? That is what's happening. That is exactly what's happening. When we confess our sins to a holy God, he says, I am near, I'm on high, but I'm also near the contrite. It means that when you confess your sins to God, he's right there. He's cleansing you. He's taking all that evil out of you. It can come back, and you confess again. So along with this, we have to be careful not to fall into that trap of, well, I can just go back to God. I'm just going to do this this one time because I want to, and I'll just go back and repent. That's not repent, repenting in the first place. Repenting isn't doing it again and asking God for forgiveness. In fact, repenting isn't really anything that has anything to do with forgiveness. It is turning away from. When you turn away from your sins and you're in the presence of the holiness, that holiness comes into you and keeps you going in that other direction, away from your sin. But when we just say, you know, I'm going to play the system a little bit, Sorry, God, I'm going to go do it again. Sorry, God, I'm going to go do it again. You're not fooling God, and you're not getting his holiness, so it's not coming into you to relieve you. So when we do come to him in belief and really want and seek his holiness, we will get it. Just as if you spend time with me, you'll hear all kinds of bad dad jokes and they might rub off on you and my kids will hate it. You get close to God, you will get his holiness. Not bad dad jokes. So get close to God, not me, is what I'm saying. But I'm gonna, you know what I mean. When we get close to someone, we, we take on some of the things about them. So get closer to God and take on his holiness. It will change your life. I promise it's changed my life, and I'm sure that we can all say that it's changed our lives as well. Now, the last thing I want to speak on, and it'll be brief, is don't feel like it's not for you. Too often I talk to people who say, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't, and it doesn't matter. God knows and he still is coming near you to bring you back. To him, you're still like that one sheep out of 100 that has gone astray. And if he brings you back and he forsakes the other 99 just to get you back, it's worth it. No matter what you've done, this is for you. And if you fall away, okay, we all do. Come back. This is for you. He is there again to bring you back. And with his holiness comes not just forgiveness of sins, there is healing, there is protection, there is love, there's a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, a sense of identity. All these things come from the holiness of God. But we have to come to him. He won't force us. He doesn't get a lasso and and throw it around you and pull you in. He doesn't come running up to you, and and if you turn away, he gets in front of you again, and you turn away, he gets in front. No, he'll come near you, but you have to accept him because he's not going to force you, and it's easy. You simply say, God, I want to know you. I want your holiness. I want to be in your presence. I want to be changed. You do those things, 
He will do it. He will do it. Just don't give up. Be persistent and don't give up. So let us rejoice because we are in the presence of a holy God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for being holy and set apart and for giving us an understanding of what that means, that it is the power that changes us, the power that redeems us, the power that lives within us. May we walk away from here today, Lord, knowing your holiness more than we did when we came in. And may that holiness grow in us to change us and bring us closer to you. Lord, we love you. We want to know you more. Come for us. We want to be found. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.